It's another episode of Movies You Should Love with Lauren and Scott. Welcome to the podcast. He's Lauren. And he's Scott. Let's get into it. Uh, Okay, so with this particular episode, we are going to take a small break from doing the AFI and discuss a film concept, um, which we think would be kind of an interesting thing to do every once in a while. We might find something like uh, cinematography or screenwriting or, you know, a a director we love or something that we might want to highlight or we might highlight the Academy Awards at some point. Um, But today I really thought it'd be an interesting conversation to have about adaptation, uh, the process of adaptation, taking uh, a previously existing story and making it fit onto the silver screen. Indeed, it's, um, you know, uh, so many movies come from sources that are already in existence, you know, whether it's a book, whether it's um, sometimes a previous movie, uh, you know, sometimes it can be a magazine article or a video game or, you know, something. They, you know, often the stories come from somewhere um, that people will already have some connection to. And so how do you turn, um, you know, something that already exists, say a novel that's, you know, a thousand pages long, how do you turn that into right. a two or three hour movie? Um, you know, uh, a two-hour movie is 120 pages. So how do you condense <laughs> that much material yeah. into 120 pages of of writing? And um, that that's the question. That's all. That is the question that spot that starts every adaptation process. How do we take this? How do we change it to be something? And I think this is the thing that gets most casual film viewers. The angriest. Right. I mean, how many times? Have, I mean, maybe you've said it, uh, or but at least how many times have you heard? Oh, but the book was so much better. Yeah. Oh, they ruined that book for me. The way they did that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's and that's kind of why I thought it'd be. It's it's that exact complaint that I thought that's why we should have this particular episode because um, essentially there are two schools of thought on adaptation. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, but. There's essentially the, let's take exactly what's in the book, or let's take exactly what was presented to us before, whether it's a play or a book, and let us use that as the screenplay, basically. Let's use that as the template for what's going to be on the fi- in the film. Mm-hmm. There's that, like the literal... Literal translation of what yeah, is Yeah, translation. Not so much adaptation, but translation. And then you have the uh, slightly more whimsical approach, <laughs> which is, let's take some of the... The, the the big high points of this book. Let's take the feeling of this book. Let's take... Um, Just kind of the essence, maybe. The essence of this story. Let's tell that instead of maybe necessarily the point-by-point breakdown of the book. Mm-hmm. And maybe as some examples here, uh, let's let's look at... Um, let's talk about Harry Potter for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I think this is one of the major... Um, one of the major adaptations, if you will, in recent memory of, uh, of, of books to film. And, you know, certainly one that I think most people at this point will be fairly familiar with. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I think for the series, um, whether for good or ill, and I'm sure there's a lot that can be argued <laughs> with this, um, to a large extent, the Harry Potter movies are less adaptation and more translation of, 
of the um, books onto the screen. Yes. I, I know as soon as I said that, that there are fans yelling at me um, <laughs> because stuff got left out and, you know, characters didn't show up. Or they cut missed. out from Hermione saving the house elves. How okay. dare they? Exactly. You know, something isn't there. Um, and so I apologize that my, my uh, large statement right there uh, just completely... Um, probably uh, ruined this entire podcast for you. But if you're still with us... um, The sound of a thousand people shutting off their iPods. Yes. If you're still with us, um, you know, uh, out of any film in in maybe ever, I think more fan service and more um, direct... I mean, just like filming what is in the book happened with Harry Potter, um, for the most part, Yes. Than almost any other franchise that I can think of in uh, recent history. Yeah. Maybe any history. Well, I, yeah. And I. Well, because here's the thing, but I think. Talk about speaking directly to Harry Potter and that franchise. Um, my favorite of the movies is actually the one that's the most different from the book, which is The Prisoner of Azkaban. And for my money, that was the, really the last time a completely successful Harry Potter movie was made. That being said, I love this last one. Like we, The last one just came out, and it was really, really great. Um, but that being said, um, what some people don't understand is if you hadn't read the books, from movie four forward, they became increasingly harder to understand. Um, exactly. exactly. It's like there, were, there were things that we were seeing on screen that were in the book... But if you hadn't read the book... There's no context in the movie. Right. The, the, to me, the worst example of this is the scene, um, I think it's in The Half-Blood Prince. Um, Dumbledore and Harry go down underwater into this cave, and Dumbledore is supposed to drink this cup to empty the water so they can get the Horcrux, blah, 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 blah. Um, in the book, it's it's this incredibly moving sequence because you understand the ramifications of Dumbledore drinking this water. You understand what's going on. In the movie, it's presented very literally, just like, oh, and here they are, and for some reason, Dumbledore doesn't like drinking this, and I don't understand. Like At that point, I, having read the book, I knew what was going on, but I was sitting next to Kelly, who had never read the books. She's like, um, what's going on? What's the big deal here? And as a screenwriter and as somebody who appreciates film, that's a fail. That's a failure of the storytellers at this point to assume that everybody knew what was going on. And if everybody knows what's going on, then what's the point of making these movies? I mean, other than the millions and millions of dollars that you're making. <laughs> right. Other, other than having people stop using their imaginations. Right. Um, not to mean about it but i mean to an uh, extent to an extent yeah. it, some of them kind of became just like uh, a reenactment or people essentially we could have paid money to watch the cast read the book exactly uh, to an extent and that's not to say they're not fun movies again i don't mean to offend because because I, I, I think both scott and i need to say right at this point because again everyone's shutting off their ipods right now yeah um we're actually huge fans of both the books and yeah. the movies. We, we really have enjoyed them. I mean, I think we've been at opening weekend mm-hmm. to all of the movies. I've seen, um, yeah, I've seen every single one of them in the theater. Thoroughly um, have enjoyed them. Um, this is, yeah, this has been a 10-year ten, ten 
movie franchise. This is we we haven't seen anything like this maybe ever as far as like an ongoing narrative. I mean, this is has kept the same cast the entire time except for Dumbledore. You had uh, it, it's been incredible. It's been a lot of fun. But as we discuss adaptation, it's a great example because. In my opinion, uh, adaptation needs... And when you make a movie, if you say this was a great book, you need to make a movie that anybody can approach. Mm-hmm. Like, I can sit down and watch this movie not having read the book, and I, I can go, that's a great movie. I understand why you're reading the book. Let me go read the book now. And so, uh, what I could argue, potentially, and I'll take devil's advocate on this here for a second. Absolutely. But, um, you know, to really adapt... The Harry Potter books, um, I could argue that you could make one fantastic three-hour movie out of the seven books, and that would be a true adaptation of the stories. Um, you know, I think when you really read the books, each book kind of has its own internal quest that goes on, um, which doesn't uh, do a whole lot to move the further, larger picture story of Harry versus Voldemort. I mean, that's... He who shall not be named. Let's not be right. that name around. Well, he's he's dead now, not to spoil <laughs> the final movie for anyone. But, um, you know, uh, uh, I think that the Harry versus Voldemort story is a fascinating story, and it could easily have been told just that story over the course of three hours, and you could have had one fantastic movie. And and that would have been, you know, as discussing adaptation, that would have been the essence of the books mm-hmm. in three hours. You would mm-hmm. have had, had this fantastic single story um, while still inspiring people maybe to go back and read the books and find all of these other adventures that these characters went on. Um, you know, yeah. I think that could have been a fantastic thing that maybe happened some in some alternate universe somewhere. Um, you know, uh, not that I'm unhappy to have the movies that we have, but if, if we're really talking about translation of books onto screen, you know, verbatim versus adaptation, I mean, that's, that's really what the picture would look like. Oh, absolutely. And you can actually, I mean, if you can remove your, your emotional response to what you just said, you know, exactly. there's a lot of people going, no, no, no. How could you do that? If it took five hours just to tell the last book, you can't do that. Well, you could. If, if, you, if you kind of step back and say, what is the story here? It's the story of a young man discovering he's part of a greater, of a greater story and having to face down the ultimate evil. It's, in a lot of ways, it's boiled down. It's the first Star Wars movie, or it's a lot of other things that we've kind of seen before. And so you could take that and say, I'm going to tell it this way and say, this is Harry. He grows up with these awful people, and then he discovers he's a wizard. And at the end of the movie, he has a showdown with Voldemort, and we live happily ever mm-hmm. after. Exactly. Yeah. And you could you could do that, and it would probably be a really good movie. In a lot of ways, it would be the first Harry Potter movie. Um, and then after that, you with what well, what we got was like kind of what you said is kind of a recapitulation of some of those themes with new quests always to go on, and there was always that one little moment in every book or one little moment in every movie where it was somehow attached to Voldemort or somehow attached to the order of the Phoenix. So like, there was always this one little extra detail. And I guess the question is, is that reason enough to make the movie a literal adaptation? Um, I would say 
what's really interesting is like I'm looking at the movies over my uh, right shoulder here in my uh, in my office, and most of them are adaptations. Mm-hmm. Most of them existed in some form beforehand, and it's interesting to note that because I think mo- most people assume there's more original ideas out there or there's more original movies out there. And so people have been complaining recently that why are so many, so few original movies being made? Um, well, cause I don't think original movies have really ever been made. Most movies that you love are probably, probably existed in another media at some point. Um, and I'm not sure why I took that tangent, but I just noticed <laughs> it and I thought I should say it. <laughs> yeah, well, fair enough. Um, uh, you know, I think that I think that, that is very true. Uh, you know, it's um, you know some of the movies that that we've been watching on the AFI list. Um, you know, are either uh, so many of them are either based on books or you know um, are like biopics or yeah. Um, you know, uh, the original story thing. Um, you know, I would say less than half of them are original stories. Um, Mm-hmm. I say and, that. Let me actually look at that list. Um, yeah, yeah. Take a look at that because, uh, and while you do, I have to bring up like some of the things that people often think of an adaptation. Is usually, the main one that people talk about is a book to a movie. Um, but like you mentioned before, there are other places you can bring stories from. And one place that I think is also ripe for horrible adaptations are the biopics because. Um, to me, I consider those adaptations because you're taking an entire person's life, you're taking 30, 60 years of a life, and trying to compress it down into a two-and-a-half-hour movie. How is that possible? And usually, I think more people make the error of trying to include far too much information, um, and you end up be getting something that's really more of a documentary than a movie, except it's still not as accurate as a documentary would be. Um, and so, my... The thing I think people need to maybe come to grips with is comparing a book to a movie is like comparing popcorn to corn on the cob. And that's kind of the example I usually give to people when they start getting in a huff about how it was ruined. And it's like, well, hold on, hold on. You like both of these things, and they're both perfectly good things in their respective times and places. When you sit down for a nice dinner, you might not want popcorn on the table. You want corn on the cob. But sometimes at night, you know what? I just want a bowl of popcorn. Mm-hmm. And it's great for exactly what it is. And Exactly. It's, you know, a, a movie versus a, uh, a book. They're completely different mediums. And, um, you know, they have their own rules on how they work. They have their own um, times that you're going to use them. Yeah. And... Um, you know, and, and they just they're they're different. They're not the same thing. I mean, you you can't possibly look at a book and you know say that the act of sitting in a chair somewhere and reading words across a page is at all the same thing as sitting in a dark theater or in front of your television watching um, you know actors and music and uh, special effects and you know in a in a you know specific period of time. You know, it's it's a very different. Um, experience, and but if it but if it works so well in the book, why doesn't it work on the movie screen? I mean, if it if it's a good story, why change any of it? Sure, um, you know, and I think that I think that there is a valid argument to be made in that direction. At the same time, 
you know, if you look at a book, um, you know, an average book is, what, 400 pages, 200 pages. Um, you know, so much of a book, when you read it, happens inside of a character. Um, mm-hmm. you inside, know, inside a character, or it's a, a narrator of some sort. Mm-hmm. It's this constant voice of exposition telling you what the character is feeling, why they're feeling it. And really, all that's happening, literally, or, you know, tangibly, all that's happening is the character's walking down a hallway. Exactly. But this voice is telling you, oh, he's walking down this hallway because of this, and he's feeling this and remembering that. And also, while we're here, we're going to flash back to his childhood and explain this story. And then we're going to come back here and be like, well, how do you do that in a movie? Exactly. Because, you know, in a book, the rules of linear time do not apply. Whereas in a, in a movie, I mean, you, there have been a lot of movies that play with that, but at the same time, you know, it, the rules apply differently when you're watching something in a linear fashion than when you are reading it in a book and can jump around more easily. Um, you know, length of things. Sometimes you just can't fit everything in a movie. Um, you know, there's so many reasons why in an adaptation you can't do it. Um, you know, I mean, let's even look at something like the, the Lord of the Rings trilogy that just came out um, mm-hmm. here in the last you know several years. Um, you know, it's definitely there have been several attempts to make Lord of the Rings movies before this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is the first one that really did it successfully, and mm-hmm. even there, um, significant amounts of content were not even, you know, cut out, but just never filmed or written into it. Uh, you know, I mean, entire characters, uh, I know Tom Bombadil is a fan favorite who, mm-hmm. you know, never shows up in the movies. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a choice that you have. I mean, with, with Lord of the Rings, I mean, you could make half a dozen miniseries or, you know... Yeah, uh, it, could be an, it could be an ongoing TV series. A TV series. Years. You know, it, it could have been filmed over the course of ten years and still be going. Uh, you know, we could be in the tenth season of it. There's so much material in those books. Um, you know, if you took it literally... And I um, would say that's probably one of the most, in my book, one of the most successful adaptations because I'm coming... I can say I have never read those books. I recently, in the last week, I've started reading The Hobbit. I've just, for whatever reason in my life, I've just missed the books by Tolkien. And watching those movies, I understand why people love The Lord of the Rings now. It's it's just a great epic story that I connect to because you have so many fascinating characters. You have so many interesting worlds. You have these huge battles. You have creepy 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 creepiness you have a lot of stuff going on in it and to me that's the movie a fan should want more than like i want to see tom bombadil or i want to see uh the explanation of of this thing it's like but wouldn't you rather a movie that actually justifies your love i mean if, if that's kind of Maybe that's the wrong approach. Maybe you shouldn't need a movie to justify your love for a book. But wouldn't you rather people show up and love the thing you love? Yeah, maybe, maybe less justifying, but more expressing your love. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like in the same in the same uh, token, uh, the first Spider-Man movie was really a great adaptation. And how do you adapt a character who has 60 years of stories behind him? Um, well, you boil it down to this, this, and this. There was a lot changed, as any comic fan can tell you. And looking at the new trailer for the new Spider-Man movie, it looks like they've changed even more. Mm-hmm. But that being said, 
that first Spider-Man perfectly captured why I've been reading Spider-Man since 1995. Um, looking at a very contemporary example here of adaptation, um, HBO has been been working on um, the Game of Thrones series, right. um, and the first season of that has recently ended. Um, it's a very interesting look at adaptation because on the one hand, they are incredibly faithful um, to the books in it. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff, um, you know, down to costuming and, um, you know, uh, they created their own language for it so that the Dothraki could speak, uh, you know, I mean, very, very intense uh, detail in this series. At the same time, there's an incredible amount of adaptation in it. Conversations uh, in happen between different people than they do in the book. Um, sometimes they invent new conversations that you never saw, or maybe come from you know a, a book later on in the series. Um, entire segments of content happen off screen. You never see. There's a major battle, for instance, that happens in the book. Um, that in the show you don't see. You see them getting ready for the battle, and then they see after the battle. And um, you know, I, I know that for some fans that's a huge disappointment. But at the same time, you know, this is it's a very interesting mixed bag because it's filmmakers had to make a choice where you know where their budget would allow them to to do things. Um, you know, ultimately battle in the book is very exciting and it does develop uh, one of the characters some um but at the same time in the show they're they're somewhat able to do that same character development through some different mechanisms and bring it in on budget still mm-hmm. um and so it's just a very interesting way of looking it you know i think it definitely captures the essence of what the books are doing um and you know, it definitely has the blessing of, of the author at this mm-hmm. point. You know, it's, he's a living author who's helping consult for the show. And, you know, it's, it's both incredibly similar to the books and incredibly different. Um, and what I think people should understand, and I can't really speak to that because I haven't read the books and I haven't seen the show. I saw the first episode, but I haven't followed up on it yet. Um, but what I think a lot of people need to understand or remember is that nobody is setting out to destroy the things you love. Exactly. Not even Michael Bay. (laughs) As hard as that is to imagine. (laughs) I mean, really, honestly, they are looking at something and they are recognizing the fact that a lot of people like this thing. Because, honestly, if there was a book out there that everybody hated and it didn't sell a single copy, it wouldn't get adapted. And so they're looking at something and going, you know what? People like this story. People connect to this story. What if we could tell this in a more accessible way, because there are a lot of people who don't read books. What if we could tell it on the silver screen in a way, or tell it on HBO, or tell it on TV somewhere else, in a way that people could approach it, and they could understand and enjoy the same story. And then when you make that decision, there's immediately things that have to be decided upon, like how do you, what is the most important part of this story? Is it literally word for word what happens? There are some movies that are literal translations, and they're perfect. Um, there's a great um, film of the book of Mice and Men starring uh, Gary Sinise and John Malkovich. And I wouldn't change a word of it. I wouldn't change a single thing of it. And the great thing about it is you can literally read John Steinbeck's novel with the movie. Mm-hmm. And there's no reason to change it. And so I would say keep it. Keep it exactly the way it is. 
Um, but then there's other thing, other movies. Um, maybe you know, looking at Harry Potter again, or looking at um, I don't know any of these movies on my the Batman movies, the uh, <laughs> the anything that's really uh, uh, the Da Vinci Code, the uh, Angels and Demons, um, Watchmen. I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of lot of adaptations, and when you start trying to tell that story in a new medium, things just have to change nine times out of ten, and that process of asking what is important about this movie what's important about this story what is the most important thing and then can we include scenes can we include that one moment that everybody loves or that character defining moment can we include those things or how can we do this in a way that's interesting another uh interesting example i think of a literal translation that actually failed in my opinion um is a movie i just mentioned the da vinci code um very enthralling book. Like, could not put the book down when I read it. Um, loved it, loved it, loved it. Saw the movie, and it was just boring and tedious. It was just kind of like, there was no suspense to the movie, because in the book, they would always end each chapter with this kind of cliffhanger moment, and then you had the option of putting the book down and going to work, or continuing on reading. Um, in the movie, it's you don't... Just- you it's don't just kind have of a puzzle versus plus a puzzle plus a puzzle, and there you go. Right. It's just like in the yeah in the movie, it's like oh no, how are we going to do this? Oh well, I'll throw soap out the window, and it'll be great. And then you, know, you go oh okay, well I guess that's what happened in the book. I can't really argue with that, but there's no suspense in this because there's no lingering question. There's not like this oh I got to go to work now. I don't know how they're going to get out of this moment. Ah. And so when you watch the movie, it just kind of unfolds. And I think that would have been a great movie to take the spirit of that, take the spirit of adventure and mystery, and maybe tell a slightly different story that includes, you know, the Holy Grail, that includes uh, Da Vinci's cool little puzzle mechanism thing, includes all those characters, but maybe tell it in a more, dare I say, Indiana Jones fashion. Like, we're we're not going to include this precise moment where he fools the cops by throwing the the beacon out the window hidden in the bar of soap. Instead, we're going to construct this elaborate chase sequence through the streets of Paris and people will hopefully come back to it or whatever. It's like, I think from, in my opinion, that is the stronger adaptation or that's the stronger film ultimately um, as, as opposed to the movie that is word for word, the book. Um, It's just once you get in, once you start hanging out with people who enjoy reading books, they start, raising these questions and they start getting frustrated and going, well, that's why I don't watch those movies. I'm not going to watch that movie because I love the book so much. You know what? And that I will honestly say that is a fair thing. You know, if you, if you do love the book, um, you know, the movie very well could be different from it. And if, if you can't honestly have something be different than the book, then don't watch the movie. Uh, yeah, that's, maybe. I mean, that's, that's ultimately what that's I would say. If, yeah, if, your if, choice. if the book was perfect for you, don't ruin it. It's, you know, the book, let the book be perfect. You don't have to consume all elements of all media mm-hmm. to, to fully appreciate something. I think that's something that maybe isn't said in today's environment. Um, you know, but if, <laughs> if, <Absolutely not. laughs> if, if you have something that works for you, you know, use it, you know, have that be, be your version of the story. You don't have to absorb all of the versions of a story to appreciate it. Um, and, you know, and that said, uh, keep in mind, this is maybe the scariest part of this whole conversation, is that, um, you know, maybe the book 
is your version today. Um, you know, maybe you know, taking Transformers, maybe you grew up with the Transformers, uh, you know, cartoon on TV. Mm-hmm. You know, kids today maybe never saw that cartoon, but are watching the Michael Bay movies, and that's Transformers to them. And then, you know, 30 years from now, um, when whoever the new director is makes the new movies or the new TV series pops up, or maybe in a weird twist of fate, there's this new series of Transformer books. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. The kids who watch the Michael Bay movies are going to go, wait, that's not the Transformers I yeah. know and love. Yes. How, how are these? Those how are not the same as yeah. the Michael Bay movies. And yet there's going to be a whole new generation of kids who grows up with that new version of Transformers that, you know, 30 years after that are going to have the same conversations, you yeah. know, when, when the holographic uh, uh, version <laughs> that plays on their spaceships comes out. <laughs> right, right. It's it's an interesting thing that I I would like to see more people discussing adaptation. That's kind of why I wanted to bring it to the table today, is because in this time, we're living in a time um, of cinematic history where there really are no more secrets. Um, there's surprises. You can go and watch a movie and be really amazed and like, I was not expecting this movie to be that good. Um, but for the most part, nobody ever walks out of a theater going, how did they do that? We all know it's a computer. We all know it's... Exactly. We... we we go, oh, well, I saw the documentary on The Lord of the Rings, so I know that's probably what they did in this movie, too. They built the set, and they had a computer, add the rest. Mm-hmm. And so there's very little, but I feel like in this new world we're in, there is still a lot of people who don't completely understand adaptation. Because I feel like this is a conversation I have at least once a year, if not more often, where I try to explain, you know, well, you have to make decisions. You have to make choices, because you can't just take it straight from the book. Because even if you get the audiobook version of a Harry Potter novel, it's still 10 hours. You know, even, the, I mean, I don't know the fastest reader could get through all that information in a timely way that you could sit in a movie theater and ingest that same information. Exactly. But and there needs to be a way of communicating to this new audience because there are people who are showing up having never read the novels, having never listened to the audiobooks, or having seen the TV show who now need to understand and appreciate and love those same characters and those same stories that you do, but they, you, we might need to, as people who enjoy the original material, we might also need to be understanding, like you were saying, that just because this iteration is different doesn't actually make it wrong or worse. Unless, unless it is. <laughs> unless it, and, and of course, uh, you know, we're not sitting here claiming to have all of the answers on this. I think... I think it, it truly is probably one of those things where it's a case-by-case case, uh, Oh, absolutely. You know, I don't think we want to sit here and define, like, yes, adaptation is better than literal translation, because I, you know, I don't think that is even remotely no, what we're you saying. I, you can't actually say that, but I, I will say I think more times than not, adaptation is better than translation. Um, but that being said, I can't say that it's 100% of the rule. Exactly. So um, we would love to hear your takes on this um, and probably some of the names that you're going to call us after uh, some Absolutely. of the things we've said about Harry Potter. Um, so uh, please, uh, you know, keep this conversation going uh, in the comments section on our website. Um, and <laughs> uh, we've said that. And, and I also want to, before we leave, I want to mention kind of the, uh, the biggest fly in the ointment of this entire concept, which is of course the movie adaptation. <laughs> if, if That's you, my favorite movie. If you if you've never seen it, it's a 
it is it is one of the most mind-bending if if this is a conversation you're interested in this is one of the most mind-bending looks at the concept of adaptation ever because I i have never seen a better movie about a writer it is like it nails it because the movie is an adaptation of a book called the orchid thief um and unfortunately the uh the writer uh, who was writing the screenplay uh, uh, for this movie decided that he, well, he, he really couldn't figure out how to, to adapt this book into a movie. And so he adapted it by telling the story of how he could not figure out how to adapt it. But in right. doing so, he invented a, some false characters who do not exist in real life and created some fictional elements and new elements that he then tied in to his story of not being able to write this adaptation, which all, of course, ties back into him adapting the story. And there are elements of the story, the original book, that get pulled in to the adaptation. It is genius. I mean, it really, I mean, it's one of those things that can only work once. Exactly. It, it, and it works so well in here to the point where the thing he's discussing in the, there's a, sequence where he's discussing these are the things i will not make this book when i make this movie they will not do this this and this and then if you listen to that that's exactly what the movie becomes it's like there's just so much going on back and forth of of the adaptation process and then also by the end of the movie it's an incredibly entertaining movie that really bears no resemblance to the original work (laughs) exactly and uh you know to the extent that it is um there is actually a fictional character from this movie who is listed on the internet movie database as a real uh, writer. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> is it his brother? Who is it? it? it it's his brother. It's nice. Just, it's listed on IMDb. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's, uh, you know, uh, the, the concept of adaptation is, uh, as, as that movie shows, is a very convoluted concept. You know, how... What constitutes an adaptation? Uh, you know, where is that line between an original work and something that's been adapted? Where is the line between how much story you have to pull from the original concept into your new concept? It's it's uh, it's and, a very sticky situation. Yeah, and it's really interesting how many different ways you can approach the same story, and. That's something I think that gets forgotten as well. It's like there's a lot of different ways to tell the same story. Um, right now, just this morning, I read that there's going to be a new Spartacus movie coming out that they're saying is going to be very um, true to the historical record, uh, which I think is very interesting. They're going to be as they're going to try to be as historically accurate as they can to the real story of the slave rebellion. But I mean, if you look up Spartacus, there's been at least three, counting this one, at least three that I can think of, major tellings of the Spartacus story. There was the Stanley Kubrick uh, mm-hmm. Spartacus that everybody knows about, um, or kind of goes back to. And then there's the the new, is it Showtime? No, Stars. 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 It's the Stars series, and it's going into its third season, I think. And they're technically telling the Spartacus story, but... These are, I'm assuming, they're three going to be very, very different. I know that the two that exist now could not be more different than each other, while still technically telling the same story. Exactly. And so uh, adaptation is a very, very tricky sort of thing. 
So um, again, please leave us your comments. Let's keep this discussion going. See if we yes, can, please. You know, maybe we can actually take it to some definitive thing. Cause, yeah, because that's what happens on the. What's internet. your favorite adaptation? What's your <laughs> least favorite adaptation? You know, I would. I'd kind of like to hear that because. I'm a fan of this, and I've had to adapt my uh, a few things in my time, and it's a tricky, tricky situation to find yourself in. Exactly. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Yes. Thank you. You've been listening to the Movies You Should Love podcast. Join in the conversation at moviesyoushouldlove.com.